Blog Talk Radio. Well, here it is. It's another gorgeous day. It's summertime in the year 2015. Someday that'll be important because maybe somebody in the year 3015 will be listening to all these episodes, wondering what it was like back then. We're having an unusual season in the Midwest here. We're having really cold days. We got a lot of rain. And it's kind of overcast because of that. It's not sunny rain. You know, I love that because when it's overcast, all the colors outside, the greens and everything that's blooming, is much more vibrant. There's no glare from the sun. And when it's chilly outside, it's a really great excuse to be exercising outdoors because you can engage in movement, not worry about overheating. A great time to be productive indoors with all the tasks that you didn't think you'd get done until the chill of autumn because you were craving the sun after the winter and the spring. This is all about opportunity every single day. Every single day that we get is a tremendous gift for us, but we get really cavalier about it. We just think, oh, come on, give me a break. It's another day. I woke up yesterday, I wake up today, I wake up tomorrow. Maybe, maybe not. And if you woke up today and you're healthy and you're moving, your mind works and you can see and hear and speak, that's a blessing, my friend. And we need to use it to the best of our ability. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, here at the K Factor, where K equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. We're sponsored by Partners in Excellence, where the idea is to shoulder it up with people, reach for the best. And one of the things that I know we do with so much cavalier, right in the middle of it, we're very cavalier about the condition of our heart. Now, I like to think I can live in my mind and I can influence everything that I think and I feel. And that's true to a certain degree. But the heart, the heart knows what the heart wants and the heart craves. And we each have a very primitive desire for our hearts to connect with others and for that romantic connection to be alive and vibrant and fun and healthy and meaningful and safe and secure and unconditional and sexy <laughs> and romantic. And I have got a guest here with us today, Cherry Turlington, who is a self-titled romantic revivalist. And I love what she has to say. So let's bring her on board here. Good morning, Cherry. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Deb. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. So tell us, what is a romantic revivalist, and is that your term, or is that something I'm just being introduced to? <laughs> no, it it is my term. I came up with it. Well, actually, I had some help coming up with it, but it sort of sums up um, you know the the terminology when the preachers were going around uh, centuries ago and they were reviving 
people to Christianity. Well, I like to think of myself as um, helping people who are married, whose relationships have become kind of dull and boring, to really revive and kick that up to a notch where it's fun again and it's it's exciting and it's innovative and it's it's flourishing with romance and joie de vivre and all the things that are wonderful about being married and it just gives me such a, a kick to be able to do that and and also to hopefully enable couples to stay far away from that dangerous dangerous abyss called divorce where it's just so, you know, you're doing everything to put good um, things into your account and to build that relationship every day and to make it beautiful and to, and to have fun skills to treasure that special, special love in your life. And Don't I, end I just, up in the divorce court. The idea just, of living in separation under the same roof, you know, people just get distanced from one another or angry or... They live in separate bedrooms. They have separate lives in so many ways. We really do need a romantic revival. <clears throat> well, I also like to say that I'm here to teach skills to enable you to either woo or be wooed to your heart's content. Right. So I have a request for you. There's a bit of a kickback when I'm speaking in the background. If you've got the computer on with the show running in the background, you might want to mute it. Um, I don't have the computer on. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'll move my cell phone to another room, see if that helps. <clears throat> <laughs> All these technical challenges for us at the beginning. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm interested in having our readers hear about is an understanding of how it is that you walked into this. What's your story? Well, I have quite quite an interesting story, and um, I'll, I'll tell the abbreviated form of it. But as you were giving that beautiful introduction of being grateful for every day that we have, I come from I come to that from a very poignant perspective because um, for 12 years I battled chronic fatigue, and I didn't leave my home very often without help. I didn't drive. I managed everything from my home, but I had to rest and sleep a lot. And so God has graciously healed me from that, and I am so very grateful to be able to walk and drive. And it, it took years to reclaim a lot of different things because not being out in the world for 12 years, on the heels of that, I dealt with extreme anxiety for everything. Two years reclaiming driving, getting back on airplanes, any social situation, people who suffer from anxiety know that it's very difficult to go to any place where you have to sit and stay for a while. I had to, and I refused to go on drugs, so I took courses to learn the skills to be able to be able to conquer all these things slowly. And during that period of time, I had these wonderful, loving people who were sending me um, cards, and I mean, they were encouraging me vocally but they were also sending me mail all the time and and in those 12 years that meant a great deal to go to the mailbox if you're if you're a recluse basically in your home and to get a loving card in the mail and particularly they kicked it up when I started taking on all these scary new challenges of moving into the world again and saying how much they believed in me how proud they were of me 
how much they love me. It just meant so much. And what I learned in that period of time was that, that when you suffer from anxiety, a lot of people who suffer from anxiety are highly creative. We're so creative that we can put together the most scary scenarios in our mind of all the bad stuff that can happen, and you need to challenge that into being highly creative. So, so let, me started, ask, let me ask you a question while you're talking about mm-hmm. that. How did it relate in your personal life? Did you have a marriage at the time that you were trying to revive? I unfortunately inadvertently stepped completely unknown into a marriage with an alcoholic. And I lived 22 years with the alcoholic spouse who passed away two and a half years ago. So the other thing I've experienced firsthand, which really motivates me, is the power of words to destroy a person because hurting people do hurting things, and I heard a lot of hurting words. And I've also experienced, on the other side, the power of beautiful, positive, loving words to rebuild a person myself in an amazing way because people believed in me before I believed in myself. Um, So, yes, I had a lot of things going on. That journey, it was not about a romantic revival of romantic life, but it was a romantic revival for your life in general. Yes. Yes, it was a romantic. It was about pulling up the core person of who I was and embracing that I had not been able to express that romantic side of myself to a person who just didn't have the capacity to take that in and I had to bury that for years because he mm-hmm. he had his own issues that he never had the courage to face so it was about rebirthing me and who I truly was and 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 um so as I was embracing this wonderful idea of love in the mailbox and thanking my friends for love in the mailbox, I had taken up studying how to write music, and I thought, what a great line for a song. And that creative idea was sifting around, and here I was well now and, and took a beautiful trip to Savannah, Georgia, and there I stood you know, amidst the history whispering in the live oak trees with the Spanish moss hanging down and going on this tour through Juliet Gordon Lowe's home. She was the founder of the Girl Scouts. And the guides told us this amazing story of her life and her loves and all of her life in just intricate detail. Hmm. And then they said this sentence that sparked it all for me. They said, we would not be able to tell you this story, except this family wrote extensive letters, and they never threw any of them away. And I was just struck. I was like, wow, everybody today is texting and emailing and deleting, and they're not going to have any personal history at the end of their lives. And they don't even know what's happening. And I got really passionate about getting that message out. Mm-hmm. And I had home, I had homeschooled my daughter through all her, um, high, you know, all her years of school. So I knew firsthand you can't just put an idea out to young people because it's a good idea. You have to make it fun. So I wrote a really fun, upbeat jazz song to promote that idea. And um, so then time went by because I got caught up in the, the final after dealing with my husband, and then he passed away. 
And after that, I just listened to all these beautiful people who I was listening to who talked about listening to your inner heart, what you're passionate about. Because I hadn't been out working in the world for 25 years. I was like, what am I going to do now? The only thing I'm really passionate about is this little song I have and this idea. And um, But I heard actually Jack Canfield say, just take the first step of whatever you feel passionate about. You can get from here to California in just the lights of the next 100 yards. And so I got the idea to just write a beautiful boutique book that visual that visually with the sound with the fun sound of the song and the romantic visualization of this book would inspire people to make this a daily practice of this lost art. And so I didn't you know those with your work. Yes, they're both titled "Send Me Some Love in the Mailbox," and they're both on Amazon.com. There's a beautiful, romantic, very graphic, beautiful book. It's a beautiful coffee table book to visually remind you regularly to write letters to the people you love. And there's a, a there's a song on Amazon.com by the same title that you can listen to in your car. That's very fun and it's very catchy, and you won't be able to forget it after you hear it a couple of times. And it will just remind you to adopt this practice of writing your heart to anyone you love. So one of the things that we had talked about previously in terms of your work is you, you've you got a number of different stories. Um, one, of, one of the areas of our life where people get particularly stuck is in their, um, in their profession. They take on that, well, Boy, I am hearing myself echo in the background. Are we on a speakerphone or something? No. <clears throat> no, nope, um, it's not a speakerphone. <clears throat> Is that any better? You know what? Let me go. I'm going to end the episode, and let me call you back. Okay. <laughs> 